taking experiences, turning them into content, distribute them to make them live long. You curate the content that you consume and you curate the content that you produce. It needs to be able to drive value for the people that I'm speaking to just as much as it drives value for me. And I don't think audiences ever go, you know what, this guy should starve and make sure he's being authentic. Yo, 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 what's going on, guys? Mushambi Mutuma here, your host here on Adjacent Conversations. I'm back again. We're still keeping the podcast going. We're so many weeks deep into this now. I'm loving the growth. I'm loving the responses, the hits on social media that we're getting, the numbers that are going up. It really reminds me that we're doing the right thing with this podcast. So glad we finally launched it and that growth is here. This week is no different. Um, We kept the conversations moving. This week, we're talking about leveraging content and your personal brand for your own success. I've got the most amazing guy, Mashudu Mudao. He is Joe Berg's podcast king, if you will. Uh, He's the go-to guy. If you want to grow your podcast, you want to grow your personal brand. A little bit shy, a little bit nervous, but we had a really impactful conversation about how he shifted over the years of creating content, capturing content, documenting, leverage that to some amazing brand opportunities, and now venturing into entrepreneurship um, and really establishing himself even further there in that space. So really impactful conversation, really to talk about how you can do content the best way. And especially in times like this, that every single moment is a moment to leverage your brand, to document the process and, and, and leverage it even for further success and growth online. So we, we literally unpack the blueprint here and I know you guys are going to enjoy it. So please be sure to hit that subscribe button, hit that rating button that's how we grow and keep impacting more people Um, but most importantly drop us some feedback hit me up on social media on instagram linkedin facebook wherever tell me how you think about the pod Um, if you're enjoying it if you got some suggestions for future guests we've got a couple amazing weeks lined up um, in our calendar so i know you guys are going to continue getting value and enjoying what we do here at adjacent conversation so tune in enjoy the conversation with mashudu and we'll chat soon peace Thank you, everybody, for joining. Uh, we're back again. We're here with Mashudu. Um, today's topic is leveraging content for your personal brand. Um, this is Adjacent Conversations. Uh, we talk to change makers, dope people, entrepreneurs, uh, personal brand leaders, influencers, the like, really just about how to adapt to the times that we're facing. Uh, Mash is a friend I've followed and supported online for years, and that we met did we meet for the first time this year, man? In Durban. Yeah, uh, Durban. Yeah. Durban. So we, we were both speaking on the same panel a couple months ago, pre-lockdown, when we could still travel. Um, and uh, yeah, man, geez, I think that was my last trip. Um, but nonetheless, uh, Nash, dude, you're, you're a communication expert. You're a content creator. You're Joe Berg's, uh, I'd say South Africa's uh, uh, podcast king. Everyone comes to you to set up the podcast, to partner on podcasts. So yeah, man, um, tell us about yourself, man. If I, if I if I didn't do a good enough job giving a, a quick intro. Cool. Um, so it's very interesting. Because of this crisis, I've had to find new ways to define myself. Um, yeah, so unfortunately, sure. we've come to the, the place of our in the world where we define ourselves by what we do. So I always start the conversation with, hey, I'm a shooter. Community and Partnerships Manager at Yoko. So, yes. fortunately, because of this crisis, 
literally that is now gone. So yeah. now I've just gone with uh, my name is Mashiru. I'm unemployed, pretending to be an entrepreneur, and I'm working on podcasts, digital content, and digital commerce um, with two, two primarily two startups. So Lucha yeah. with the podcast network um, for uh, African content, and then secondly yes. with Campus Africa, which is uh, what we're trying to do is really build out a, a, a yeah a network of online stores in different um, retail sectors. Yeah. So oh, those man. two things, but who I am now is unemployed, pretending to be an entrepreneur. You, you know what, man? The the silver lining in all of this is uh, you'll know that for a while I've been encouraging you uh, to jump ship and to uh, join the <laughs> entrepreneurial ranks. And and I'll be really honest is that because I've been an entrepreneur as long as I can remember, I don't encourage many people to become entrepreneurs. Um, it's an unpopular opinion. I tell people like, now nah, this probably isn't for you, you know, get paid on the 25th, stay there. Because um, not many people are built to be entrepreneurs. And I don't say this from an elitist standpoint. I say this um, from an ability and a propensity. I hate blood and I hate numbers, right? So I can't be a doctor and I can't be an engineer and no one's telling me to do so. But I think some people are, are, are have that in them and have that fire. And I've seen it in you as a young person. And so, yeah, man, it's the silver lining that uh, hopefully pretty soon you won't be pretending to be an entrepreneur. You'll just be in it. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, a lot of people are actually pretending, but they don't yes. acknowledge that they're pretending. They um, nah, I think don't. a lot of people have asked me, you know, hey, uh, should I quit my job right now? And I think the week I got retrenched, a lot of yeah. people were saying, hey, Mash, uh, should I quit my job and stuff like that? And I was very honest with a lot of people. And I was like, the first first thing I say is, unless your your business can sustain itself and sustain you, yeah. you have no business even considering it. Um, I can understand in situations where, you know, Unfortunately, it's a really bad environment and your emotional or mental health is compromised. But right. if it's a job where you can really do what you what you enjoy or what you're really good at um, and it can sustain you, like it's really, really much better to really stick it through and try yeah. and build something while inside an organization. Um, the best example I always use is the guy from, I always forget this company's name. Uh, yes. They sell like pots and plants online. What's it called? Ah, uh, um, yes. I know what you're talking about. Yapiche. Somebody's going to drop Yapiche. it. Yapiche. Yes, yes. <laughs> so the guy from Yapichev, um, the guy from Yapichev ran his business um, until it was about making about 20 million um, with yes. about 50 employees while he was working as an accountant. If that guy can do that, I'm sure you can do your job and run a business for as long as possible before you can make something. So I think there's value in having that job to to stabilize what you're doing, um, but at the same time, um, sustain it as well. Yeah, it's, it's a really solid point, man. What I, I think people don't realize is that there's an ability to be entrepreneurial even within a job environment. Is before you even become the entrepreneur, you can start forming those characteristics and abilities while you're still at work. And the other thing I tell people, and I know this isn't our topic, but I, I like the sidetrack, is, um, is what I tell people a lot that I mentor or speak to is that you can treat your job like a client, right? Um, and you probably should. It's, it's a client that pays you to be there from nine to five every single day, right? And they might pay you well to do so, treat you badly or whatever else, but it's a client. 
But from from 6 p.m. until 4 a.m. the next morning, that's your time to do whatever other work for your business and your brand and your other clients. And so I think if people shift that perspective to say, you know what, this isn't the only client that I have and it's not a job situation. It's people that are buying a certain amount of hours from me. But I think the most slept on hours of the day are like 7 to 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. Like people aren't really doing nothing there. You're binge watching Netflix, you're asleep, you're drinking, you're taking a nap, you know what I mean? But you're not you're not grinding on the real thing that you could actually be building. So I'm with you there. Yeah. So, so um, I know uh, the person that's tweeting from inclusion. Yeah. I've been telling her to change her account for years because she's really, really amazing, but the insights don't come through because it's a branded yeah. account. But yeah. um, I like her point about entrepreneurship. I think it's yeah. a super, super valuable uh, thing. And like, I think not enough people speak about the value of being entrepreneurial within an organization. Yeah. And how much that I can that can actually empower you um, to do the things that you actually care about as well. So yeah. I will say, like the organization I used to work for, like completely um, enabled entrepreneurship within the organization. Where sure. if you didn't have a side hustle, you were the outlier. So yeah. everyone really had that sort of hustle mentality, and like outside of gotcha. work, there was something that you were building or creating or selling to try yeah. and build something more than just having a job. Got you. That's actually that's actually incredible that they were able to build that culture within the organization instead of saying you come here and you give up everything. Because I think a lot of companies do that and you exclude a lot of people, right? Because especially amongst young people, is that everyone that I know for the most part, I'd say probably eight out of ten people have kind of a side hustle or some other thing that they're working on, whether they be entrepreneurs or not, or just some other way to kind of offset income and make a little bit more. But I think companies that encourage that um, versus the ones that don't are the ones that are going to survive. You know, I think in my team, geez, I think everyone on my team, um, whether they've admitted to me or not, I know uh, do some work on the side. Um, and some of them run full businesses, um, you know, and are full on full scale entrepreneurs. And I love that, you know, and, and, and I don't. For, I don't view it as a conflict. I, I feel like I'm getting a better quality product than a whole rounded person that's experienced something. So I'm with you 100% there, man. But let's yep. talk about uh, let's talk about content for a moment, man, because that's why we're here. We're talking about kind of brand building and creating content. And maybe for the guys that follow me and might not know about you is, um, you know, I call you the podcast king, but let's talk about that journey, man, of like particularly um how and when you started on creating podcasts because you've literally been doing this for for several years before it was kind of popular and a global trend um but what, were you doing something before that that led to this or did you just jump right into into voice cool so um i think i've always had a love for content as a way to shine a light on the work that I was doing, right? So yes. every entrepreneurship event, what I tried to do is pull as much content out of it in order to leverage it for like a bunch of different touch points, right? So yeah, um, we create an event with say 10 entrepreneurs and that's the first event I ever did. It was called The Power of 10. So yes. 10 entrepreneurs. And then the first thing I did was partner with a VR company or AR company that was uh, gonna do 360 video of the session, right? So okay. it was 10 entrepreneurs and then there was a 3D, 360 camera in the middle to actually capture the, the entire right. conversation. Right. And then there was 
you know, a photographer to take obviously the pictures. And then there was normal video of the actual session. And then we record this, recorded the session in terms of audio. And then I did a podcast with each person um, at the event. So what that also, like what, what I was trying to do literally was try and pull as much content out of the experience as possible, yeah. which led to about 20 different pieces of, of content that leveraged video, writing, audio, and others, right? So the real value of that is to extend the experience beyond just what happens in the room. And I think we lose a lot of things um, in these entrepreneurship sessions and stuff um, when we leave it like just happening in the room. And I yeah, wanted to do more, it. right? So what yeah. I was doing before podcast was just creating content because I cared about telling stories, especially entrepreneurial stories, especially right. uh, stories around on uh, small businesses, startups and stuff like that. So I just took my passion for the entrepreneurship ecosystem to create content out of that. And then somehow, somewhere I found this podcast. Um, no, I remember how I found podcasts. So I was invited to this lunch with Facebook uh, managers from across the world. And I just happened to sit next to one of the marketing managers. And okay. she said to me, um, what are you guys doing in South Africa to tell the story of stories of entrepreneurs and i was like oh no we do a lot of radio interviews tv interviews and stuff like that and she was like oh cool do you guys have podcasts i was like what what, what is that she's like no it's yeah. just it's basically radio but on the internet and you can play whenever you want and on demand and all those sort of things i was like oh okay cool and then she she told me about this one podcast it was called startup right so yes. startup is literally this podcast about this guy that's starting a podcast company so alex bloomberg and yep it was the, the most incredible thing I had ever listened to, right? So this guy, yeah. on the first episode, he's talking about pitching to a VC, like a recorded session where he's pitching to a VC and the VC is like, dude, you have the shittiest business. You shouldn't be starting a business, basically. Yeah. They don't invest in him. But he documents the entire journey of finding a partner, right. negotiating um, equity splits, yeah. um, pitching to new investors, hiring people, all these different things um, about entrepreneurship, he documented so purely. Yeah. And after I heard that, I was like, there's no other medium. So I think there was a journey of trying to find the right medium for me. I hate okay. video, um, mainly because I don't know what to do with my eyes and I always get weird <laughs> about it. So I hate video. Um, writing, I really loved about... 10 years ago, but now yes. I don't really love it as much. Um, I like reading very good articles, but like it needs to be a certain type of article. I can't write sure. very well anymore. My writing yes. is restricted to tweets. Anything yes. longer than a tweet, I'll probably do very bad, yes. Um, so it was about finding the right medium and podcast yes. was that. You could have a very beautiful conversation where you are intentionally driving insights out, right? So you're right. trying to find right. something that someone else can learn and you're trying to drive into that thing so much so that they walk away with something that's valuable for them. Exactly. And that's how I found podcasting and that's why I started really, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's actually really dope, man. And it's given like a lot of perspective to your progression. But I think one thing I want to touch on really quick is the first part of what you said is that you first started with, with, with the event. Right, but you immediately knew from that very first event that there was opportunities to capture content, to do that overall AR experience, to document it, to photograph it, 
to immediately record interviews with all the guys that they were there at the present. So my question is like, what told you to fully document the experience like that? Was that something that you learned over time? Was that like, or like, yeah, what made you so hungry to kind of understand that and, and capture the entire ecosystem? Um, I think it's just because I live on the internet. <laughs> yeah, for sure. If it's not, just, that's if it's just what, it's what you saw. Is, yeah, yeah I think. Yeah. I think if it if it's not on the internet, did it really happen, right? So if yeah. there's no content rollouts, did it really happen? And like, sure. my thing was to try and capture experiences in a way that you could scale the impact. So my thing is always, how can I scale the impact of the work that I'm doing, right? So is it growing your following? Is it um, trying to broadcast as much as possible? Is it using another channel to tell a story? My thing was, it wasn't enough that we were having these really cool entrepreneurship sessions in these rooms, and then it would die. Yeah. I wanted to let it live a lot longer. Right. So it started there. And before I did Power of Ten, um, there was this one event. It was called Pioneer Nation. I actually think mm-hmm. that was still one of the best entrepreneurship events that's ever happened. And yeah, with Levi's. Hey? I attended this event. Yeah. So I attended this event. I had a phone and I bought a lapel mic. So one of these, yeah. like, it looks sort of like a, yeah. And yeah, for sure. Literally went to Pioneer Nation, no plan. And I interviewed about, 20 entrepreneurs, right? All the speakers. I literally said, hey, um, I'm starting this YouTube channel. Can you please give some advice to entrepreneurs? And I asked everyone the same question. I was just like, what is the one piece of advice that you would give to an entrepreneur um, if they were starting a business? And that was it. Um, Made 20 of those and literally just dropped them on a weekly basis. And I learned power and value of extracting, taking experiences, turning them into content, and trying to distribute them to make them live longer through content. So I guess, you know, and it, it's funny because you're explaining it so simply, but but what I want to kind of remind the people that are, that are tuning in, because a lot of the people that follow me, I check their pages. Um, you know, I check them on a regular basis. I might not follow you, but I go in, especially if you hit me up or DM me and ask me a question. I'm like, all right, let me go see if this person's listening or not. And a lot of people they're not documenting and capturing to this extent, right? Um, guys are thinking that they're, they're, they're you know, you, you mentioned, you know, one of the ladies joining us and trying to tell her to shift her page from a brand page to a personal page. Because there's a real opportunity there. Because even when I saw her comment come in, I'm like, who's this brand messaging us right now? You know, and, and, and there's the woman with the story behind it. And I think that's actually even more powerful to know that she's running this brand and importing tea from Kenya and so forth. And the story, her story is a lot more exciting than just the business story. So I think there's a real element for everyone listening to be conscious about content creation, right? And not for influence sake, but brand building sake, you know what I mean? And like that it's a simple thing of going to an event with a lapel mic and a phone and just recording and immediately turning that into 20 episodes. That's crazy. One night got you 20 weeks of content, you know what I mean? And it's, it doesn't have to be complicated. Those are all quite simple things. They really don't cost you very much money either. So I think, you know, what I'm getting out of what you're saying is that, you know, content creation, firstly, is simple, but it always has to be top of mind. Whenever you step out of your home or whenever you start working on your business, you must immediately create, 
right? And at least document. I mean, Gary Vee talks about that all the time. It's like document versus create. Because if you're always documenting, you can pull from that versus then every day, oh, what am I going to post today? You know what I mean? So I, I like that you're breaking it down so simply. And, and then I guess what I want to talk about next is that how you've done that, because the real reason I wanted to speak to you is our topic, right? Is that as someone that I've been watching for a very long time, I've seen you create, 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 and then get amazing partnerships um, out of that, right? Is that whether that be with, um, with, 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 with guys like Yoko and turning into more of a job partnership, but other brands as well. So talk to me about how you positioned all the stuff that you were creating this batch of 20 episodes, this batch of 10 episodes, how, how did you think about that when you started approaching brands or they started approaching you? Yeah, so unfortunately, and like this is, uh, this is where my journey, I think, um, is going to get interesting, right? So yeah. I've never actually had to approach a brand and say, hey, um, I have this idea, can you buy it? Um, I think now that I'm unemployed, pretending to be an entrepreneur, yeah. I'm going to be way more conscious about the opportunities where I need to sell, right? So no, man, I'm going to stop you there, Mashudu. We're going we're gonna to shift the narrative. Now that I'm focusing on finally building my brand <laughs> and my yes. business. Let's say that. <laughs> Let's say that. I'm focusing on finally building my business. That's what we're doing. We're not yeah. unemployed pretending. We're working. <laughs> okay, so now that I'm focused on building my business, there we go. I like that. Um, I think I'll, be, I'll be way more conscious of the opportunities and the gaps where I should be selling, right? So yeah, my yes, big thing yes, was yes. always to go to brands and say, hey, I've got this cool thing. Um, can you be part of it so we can make it happen? My thing right. was to, I'm going to build something of my own, create something of my own. And if brands come, it's cool. If not, yes. I'm fine. Because there's something about... Um, when you when you constantly just like trying to sell, that yeah. you start to design what you're making only to sell it, and not necessarily making sure that what you're making is valuable and intentional and consciously yes. about driving value for other people, right? So yes. my thing is, how much value can I drive for other people? And if brands come on board for that, what does it look like? So yes. an interesting statistic that no one ever talks about, mainly because. I don't know. I think the medium is still coming, right? So right. podcasts um, have a better conversion rate than YouTube as well as social media, right? So yes. paid ads as well as YouTube wow. okay. don't okay. convert as well as podcasts, mainly for one reason, right? Yeah. Um, people that build out podcasts are mainly trying to build out communities. So right. when you listen to a podcast, your thinking is you're part of something bigger than yourself. And yes, you're joining, yes, yes. Them, right? right? And when you join in the community, you trust the people that lead that community to never sort of drive it down, right? So they yeah, wouldn't have lead it astray. Detrimental yeah, yeah. to that community. So entrepreneurship podcasts, for example, will often have entrepreneurial-focused uh, products that are marketed on them, mainly yes. because they know how to drive value for the audience that is there, right? Right. And that really my, my mentality and thinking around brand partnerships is it needs to be able to drive value for the people that I'm speaking to just as much as it drives value for me. Because um, yeah. I don't think audiences ever go, you know what, this guy should starve and make sure he's being authentic. I don't care, he should yeah. never make money. 
I don't think anyone wants that. No, no, no. I think if you built a good community, um, they want you to win. So when they see you branded or sponsored, they're like, oh, you know what? You've given me so much value. I actually don't mind. Um, I might even support you. Um, And that's where, like, um, where where it becomes way more important to be intentional about which brands you work with and on what basis as well. I think um, the best example of this was last year. um, We did this campaign on my podcast where we did a, a typical podcast ad right where it was um hey guys uh you know this is the brand this is the product go on this website sign up by doing this here's the code and we got the the the, the largest number of conversions at the lowest price so the cost of acquisition mm. was a lot lower than everything else so the brand yeah, did a so bunch all the of other digital channels yeah exactly they did facebook they did you know yeah. but yeah. the one thing that outperformed everything else was the podcasts and that's mainly because of that community that you build around it and it's yeah. not necessarily just about the media but yeah yeah for sure dude you're, you're dropping some gems there man and i think the first one that i hear just to recap because because i'm learning even as you speak and that's why i'm I'm really loving these conversations that I'm now able to have. And I'm I'm frustrated that it took the lockdown to get me to do some. <laughs> but um, but we're here, right? And but the very first thing that you mentioned a few moments ago was instead of always selling and selling the service or selling the product, there's a real opportunity to drive on the value. And I think all the entrepreneurs that are tuned in, everyone that's thinking about that is that you have to push value above everything else. If you're trying to be the best product or the best service, there will always be someone better. There will always be someone worse. There'll be someone more expensive, someone cheaper, someone more connected. If you're relying on the product itself or the service, it's really easy to get replaced, right? Um, There's a million of everything. There's a million events companies. There's a million, um, you you know, um, side hustlers and and, and so forth, right? It's not special. There's a million people that sell coffee and tea, right? So if you're relying on that only, there is no value. So like that's, I I love that you said that because that's why I've been saying that you're ready for entrepreneurship because you know (laughs) that you got to draw value first. (laughs) You were telling me nonsense about selling, selling, selling. I would have told you to chill. (laughs) You know what I mean? So so I'm, I'm conscious enough to realize like there's also, there's also something that needs to change in me as well, where I'm conscious of the value that I'm creating. Yeah. And how to leverage that to actually make more money. Because yeah, the reality sure. is, we now are playing a different game, right? So yeah. you're not playing the... The game that you were playing is not as long as it was before, right? So... It's not at all. You it's had a very all. great long-term plan. That's yeah. good for you. Yeah. That long-term plan... <laughs> corona corona says now, nah, fam. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so being conscious of yeah. how the value I'm creating can be monetized in a way that doesn't reduce that value or... Yeah, but actually sort of, lifts it up. Yeah. You exactly. know, you know the, the conversation I had a couple of weeks ago with Kojo before on, on this exact channel was, is like, how do we all become essential services right now, right? How do you become essential? Not because you're treating people from a, medica- a medical or security standpoint, but your actual mm-hmm. business. And the only way you become an essential service in a time like this where people are cutting budgets and, and cutting costs is by driving value first and foremost, right? Of being different, of being something else than off just selling. I can call all my clients and be like, hey guys, I can sell you this. Or I could be like, hey guys, this is a new problem we can solve for you. 
You know what I mean? And that's a big shift. And they'll continue to pay me and support me because that's how they view my business versus, hey, you know, that's Mushambi, that's Mashuru. He's about to sell me something different because he wants to make more money. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, um, so unfortunately, uh, I saw on Twitter, people were saying pivot is becoming the new disrupt, which is whatever, but (laughs) disrupt doesn't even mean anything anymore. The ultimate disruptor, I heard this yesterday. I don't know who I heard it from. But yeah. COVID is the ultimate disruptor of businesses, right? So everyone yeah. that was busy disrupting yeah. for the last however many years, we, we all got we all just got disrupted. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you know, my, the only yeah. way you can survive this massive disruption is through pivoting. Yeah. And yeah. what you're talking about there is going, okay, we still have certain skills. We know how to drive value in certain ways. Yes. We have certain capabilities and resources. How do we leverage what we have, what we know, and what we can do in order to create new types of value for the people that we yeah, serve? Yeah. That's how I think of pivoting, right? It's not necessarily, okay, we're going to change our business from this and just yeah, completely new sure. business. No, no, no. You that's not what it is. Sources, new, yeah. new, you know, I think it's more about leveraging what you know, what you have, and what you can yeah. do to provide a different kind of value and, yeah, and still for diving sure. for the people that you speak to. I love that, man. That, that That's actually spot on, dude. I want to take a moment, right? Because we got a lot of comments here. There's so many people dropping comments in gyms. So I want to take a moment, pause our conversation, and come back and answer some questions. I see some funny comments here, but it's, we're going to get to them. Um, so my first one is uh, we've got Tash here. She says, how do you find balance between capturing content and being present in the moment? Is there even a balance? in your opinion. And this is actually a really great thing because Tash, this is something I struggle with is when I'm out in a normal situation, pre-COVID speaking or traveling, it's really hard for me to be like, hey guys, welcome to my channel. I'm here about to board the plane. I'm here about to get on stage. It doesn't feel authentic to me. I hate taking pictures. Despite how many pictures I have on my on my page, how many people follow me, I don't enjoy it, right? So sometimes it doesn't feel authentic to me. So from you walking around with four microphones, a camera, and a pro start, how do we? Uh, how do you balance that? Is there a balance? So um, I've always tried to build out really great collaborations with other people yes. that create really great content. So like I mentioned before, there was a photographer, there was a guy that was doing sort of the 360 video, and there was a guy that was recording the podcast and the audio. Mainly leveraging those collaborations with companies that need the work um, whether it's paid, whether it's not, um, is a really, really valuable thing. The reality is if you're part of the event, so for example, yeah. if you're the speaker, um, you probably have no business trying to also uh, drive content at the same yes, time. I think exactly. having yeah. a very clear focus on what you're delivering on that day or what you need to do on that day is super, super valuable. So I always try and partner with someone that can actually handle that sort of other side of it. So that if it's audio, it. it's exactly it needs to be someone that I'm focused yes. on podcast. Yes. If it's video, it needs to be someone that I'm working with um, on video. And it's li- really about leveraging value. And I think collaborations are really, really impactful in this specific um, situation. Definitely. That's a spot on question. And that's exactly what I do because I can't handle all of that. What's up, Shango from New York is tuned in. I think of it like selling life cover insurance. They don't sell the pricing. They tell you about the features and benefits. That's actually spot on. When they're selling life cover, 
you're right. They're not telling you about the cost. They're not telling you about the the the, the features. They're telling you that this is what's going to happen when you die. <laughs> Spot on. Please answer the question about Black Twitter. Okay, let me read this question. Personal branding on LinkedIn is great for me. However, the personal branding on Instagram and Twitter is scary because the forces like Black Twitter are too strong. How do you safely brand in such a space? Okay. Over to so, you, my man. <laughs> I know you don't like Twitter, right? So it's very interesting. I think this is an important question. And I see Vuyolete, who's also laughing there, who's really good at Twitter, by the way. And uh, Masinze as well. Thank you for, for vouching for this question. So, Mushambi, let's, let's flip yeah. this. Yeah. Why do you not tweet as much as you Instagram? Because you've yeah. clearly chosen one medium over the other, or one platform. No, for sure. So, so the reality, man, is I'm a little bit older than you, and uh, and I remember when Twitter started. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I literally remember when every single celebrity responded to every tweet because it was community. Um, you know, I'm originally from Zim, and we started Twimbos up in Zim, and I see a couple people from Zim that are in the chat. And literally, we were the very first people on Twitter in Zim and in South Africa. I remember Kojo and I and a couple other influencers at the time got invited to the US embassy about 10 years ago because we were the people tweeting every day. <laughs> it was a mess, right? Ah! So, remember those days of Twitter, man. Like, And so right now, dude, it, 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 it is hella messy. Um, and it's loud and it's 24-7. I used to be able to log on to Twitter and say good morning and 120 people would say good morning. <laughs> it was that quiet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I think um, Twitter has just changed too much for me, man. Um, platforms change, behavior change. Instagram, when it first came out, I thought it was silly. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mess with it because I'm like, people are just posting pictures. They're vain. They're conceited. Who wants to see your food? And then it adapted, right? And now we've got functionality like this. And so for me, um, Instagram works a lot better for me because of that. And also because I don't have to be there 24-7. You know Twitter. It's a, it's a constant conversation, right? It, if You can't hop into Twitter and then hop out. You have to be there responding it's live it's and i don't have the time anymore man uh, you know what i'm doing now it just doesn't uh, it doesn't bode well for 140 characters um or, or more now <laughs> okay cool so um in terms of this question right so yes um i just need to read it again uh but, but these guys are talking about how do you grow when there's this super judgmental force um that can easily attack you good or bad, right? You yeah. do well and people are like, but what about this, right? You post your house and they're like, did you buy your mama house? And you're like, I love oranges. And they're like, well, pineapple Twitter is woke, right? So how do you, <laughs> how do you handle this, right? So <laughs> I think that's the question. <laughs> yeah, so um, I definitely, so, so I'll say this, right? So uh, inclusion, I really am going to get her to change this Thing because yeah, we got to change the handle. We're changing yeah, the handle so, today. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so here's how I think about Twitter, right? Um, you you literally are creating your own experience of Twitter, right? And yeah. like no one ever talks about that side, which is you curate the content that you consume and you curate the content that you pr produce. You have to curate your experience of that platform, 
Yeah. And I think yeah. of it, um, so unfortunately, for some reason, Twitter is the one place that I actually know how to, like, in terms of the other platforms, I know how to create content for Twitter. I don't know yeah, how, yeah. I don't you know. You do it quite well. I'm sure. It's very yeah. easy for me. Right? Yeah. And yeah. Instagram isn't that easy. I started experimenting recently, taking screenshots of my tweets and putting them on my Instagram feed got me way more uh, engagement than putting up any sort of pictures. And that yeah. showed me that, oh, wait, there's a genuine cross-pollination of audiences from one to the other. And there's yeah. probably an audience of people that decided, you know what, I can't be on Twitter, so I'm going to yeah. just be on Instagram. Yeah. And being able to take that content from there and put it on here matters. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So my thing is always around curating your experience in a very extreme way, right? So how do you make sure that the people that you're engaging with, the content that you're engaging with, is the sort of thing that you actually want to engage with? And I think yes. that's yes. where sort of someone like Vuyoletu, um does extremely well, where she really, really curated where the people she follows and the content that she posts, the content she engages with, all of it is very intentionally about inclusion. It's about entrepreneurship. Yes. It's about innovation. Yeah. It's about, it's about impact and so forth. Yes. As yeah. soon as you see sort of a, on the other end, it, 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 it becomes, so that's, that's what I do, right? So yeah. I know yeah. when a tweet is about to cross over onto the other side. So I think of it as the other side. Yeah. So there's a normal side of Twitter and then there's the other side. The other yeah. side is where reason, logic, <laughs> thinking is gone. It's devoid. Yes. Yes. Where yes. people are just commenting for the sake of commenting because they yeah. can. And like, for sure. it's not necessarily about what your profile says or what yeah. you do or what value yeah. you might be able to create. People just want to, right? And yeah. I've, 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 I've turned my Instagram, my, I've turned my, my Twitter private I've deleted it. I've left it alone for yeah. a few weeks, a few days, mainly because it got to that point where there was there, there was a cross-pollination between the value that I really wanted and what I actually couldn't control. So there's yeah. parts of Twitter yeah. that you just can't control because that's how yeah. the platform is built. But there's parts that you can control, and that's what I focus on. So I think it's really about being intentional about the content that you create, the content yeah. you produce, the content you publish, and then also what you engage with and also who you actually follow. So trying to build out a community, the same way you build a community on, on Facebook or on WhatsApp, trying to build a, 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 a community where you have that sort of alignment of purpose, alignment of understanding, and the things that you really care about um, are yes. sort of the things that you focus on. And yeah. I think that's where being intentional about who you, you interact with. You see, we literally say is, the other side is the black hole. The black yes, hole. it is. That's it where is. you don't just stay. So, if yeah. my tweet goes over a hundred retweets, I mute. I don't look at the notifications. Yeah. I I completely forget it exists yeah. because I know. I think that's, 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 that's the power, right? Is that there's the power in intentionality, but then there's the power and also being confident in who you are. And I, I think I had this conversation with with with, with Legends last week. And I was saying that one of the biggest hacks to success that I've found is the ability to walk into a room and not have to change who I am, right? The ability on social media to be authentically myself and not have to put on airs or not have to show a particular persona is priceless. 
right? So mm-hmm. that's why I don't care about things like black Twitter or white Twitter, any kind of Twitter, right? Uh, all Twitter lives matter. Maybe who cares? I don't like it. Doesn't actually matter to me because I know every single day across all platforms, I'm speaking uniquely and I'm speaking myself, right? So I think people have to own yourself, right? And and Tash mentioned it, it's about doing you. And once you establish that confidence across any platform, you can feel a lot better and not have to worry about the black hole of Twitter. Yeah. So, okay, let's, let's do this. I, I've got the questions. I think it would be cool for you. To <laughs> I left him to die. What happened? What happened when I was gone? <laughs> okay, wait. okay. let's get through the questions. Inclusion. Um, recently, a prominent entrepreneur posted a personal opinion on a business account. Was that a good or bad for personal branding? You know what, I'd, I'd say that um, we got to keep the two separate, right? And uh, while I, I run a couple of businesses, while I, I represent a couple of clients, my views are my own, right? Um, and so I don't, have to, I don't have to stress about it. I don't have to worry about it um, because I'm not speaking on their behalf. So I think you have to separate the two. Um, and that's why personal brand is very different than business brand. Um, we can't confuse the two. Um, who I am in the boardroom now is authentic all the time, so I don't have to worry about that. Um, but I think that's the power I have as being the business owner. Um, but I think from a brand building standpoint, you got to separate the two. Um, but yeah. then you also got to be mindful of how you are perceived, right? I have a particular audience. I have a particular uh, responsibility to not only my clients, but my employees, my team, um, and my followers. So I think is like once you're in that limelight and now everyone's in the limelight, it used to be you had to have a certain amount of followers of success, but now we're all in the limelight. So I think every day I step out, I'm, 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 I'm mindful of the impact and responsibility that I have. So then I choose yeah. not to talk about certain things because um, it's, it's not beneficial. I could go down the black hole talking about whether Cyril's doing a great job or not, but is that beneficial to my audience? I don't think so, right? We're locked down either way. Um, so I think you have to separate yourself, but you also need to be mindful of what you communicate. And uh, you know, no one needs to have a locked account where we're talking a bunch of nonsense, not in this day and age. Uh, you know, uh, you never know who's going to screenshot you. So yeah, I hope that answers yeah. inclusion. Cool. Uh, for your this question, um, so I think I'll answer this as well, and then you can jump in. Yeah. When you start monetizing your personal brand and start working with brands, how do you model your pricing? So I use a very simple um, strategy for this, um, which was when I had my old uh, company, company email, what I did was I emailed the influencers that had very similar sort of following as I did and had a very similar focus in terms of audience. And I emailed them and said, hey, we would like to work with you. Could you please send your rate card? Um, Got a bunch of rate cards. And I just compared in terms of following, in terms of focus, in terms of engagement um, and the audience focus. I compared all of that and I tried to create a benchmark and then built my sort of rate card on on that. So, um, yeah, which is a very easy and smart way to to compare it. Um, It's an easy way to make sure that you're not underpricing yourself massively, but also not overpricing um, dramatically. So I just found a way to try and just identify it that way by finding out what other people were charging um, and then just leveraging that um, to try and build up my own. 
Um, in terms yeah, of I did, pricing, I did, how... I, I did the exact same thing with speaking. Is that we went around and looked at all the other people that we thought were competitors, and we found out what they were charging, and then and then realized where we could position ourselves. So it's a little bit of research that it's all it takes. Yeah. Um, how important is it to have a portfolio, and how do you go about creating and structuring it? Okay. So for me, um, it's very difficult to create a portfolio when you're developing sort of communities. So my big focus is actually building our communities um, for organizations that have a specific product and then also going into other stuff, right? So in terms of content, it's very easy because that's literally just the archive, which is here are all my podcasts, um, here are all my articles, here are all my videos. So I centralize everything onto one platform. So it's a WordPress website. You can learn how to make those on YouTube. And then um, I put my podcast on every available channel to make sure that people can can access it. But yeah, I think portfolios are really, really valuable because you want someone to be able to see the full breadth of what you can do. And you need to be able to communicate that value to them. So having that central place. So for example, now um, using my, my Instagram as more of a combination. So it's not just... Uh, visual content, but written content as well as visual, my next step is to actually start testing audio. So I'm going to put a video with just artwork and then make it audio on the background yes. and see whether or not that resonates with the audience. Does. Yeah. Yeah. And see if there's value for someone on that end. So it's really about trying to communicate the full breadth of the work that you can do and communicating the value um, that you can drive for them. So, yeah. So using a website but, and making sure that the social yeah. media community works really well. Definitely. So I think to leverage off of that, man, is is that right now there is no formula and it's a good and bad thing. The good part about it is that you can do anything and everything. Right. The bad part is that you don't have a formula to follow. So I think is like trying different ways of content, whether that's voice, whether that's podcast, whether that's trying you post as Nash is mentioning, whether that's your website, whether it's the different platforms. Like I choose to stay away from Twitter, but I leverage the hell out of LinkedIn and Instagram and it pays for me because my audience resonates there. So I think it's really about being strategic, but then trying all forms of content creation is that just having one thing is not going to be enough, is that we want you to use everything. So if you're on IG, we need you to use live. We need you to use stories. We need you to use the feed. We need you to use IGTV. And the platform needs you to do so as well to reward you. So I think now more than ever, there's not going to be one method of doing things is you really mm-hmm. have to shift and try everything. And it's really about creating more of an ecosystem, right? So my content relates to my speaking, which relates to the business that I do on a day-to-day basis, which relates to the services that we offer, that gets me more content, that gets me more gigs and so forth. So you're developing an entire ecosystem, which Mash, you've done quite well as well, right? Of like leveraging the brand positioning, the community building, to podcast, to content creation, to then brand partnerships, and then doing more and more and more of that. So it's like, right now, everyone listening and tuned in is that you have to think about your personal brand as a complete ecosystem. It's your business, it's your content, it's everything. So you can't just have kind of one thing, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's a massive point. Like, just by the way, really, really respect the same way um, how you've made sure that the way your Instagram and LinkedIn link is very interesting. I think the way you do content is very intentional, um, especially around communicating what you actually do. I think 
Yeah. Um, for about three years on Twitter, people knew nothing about what I actually did. Like, yeah. I was very poor at communicating. Oh, wait, yes. this is what I actually do. Um, I think yeah. you've done that so, so well. Um, yeah. Uh, we literally had a comment here that I thought was really, really valuable. Do not be afraid to charge per value. So that was um, off yes. of Tash's question, which was, as Black creators, we tend to, to want to charge less. What is your advice on this? So... Like I said, I built my rate card on market trends. So I looked at what yeah. other people were charging and leveraged off of that and then tried to make sure that my value matched that. So if I felt my hour was worth a certain amount and that's what it would cost for me to create the sort of thing that the brand wanted, um, I tried to push it up to that um, and make sure it matched um, the market rate that I sort of created myself. Yeah, um, I don't sure. think you should ever be afraid to for of people walking away. I'm always, I'm always no, okay it, you know, I, I welcome it, right? Because, you know, for the longest time for my personal brand, is like, from, from a business standpoint, I can walk in a room and charge anything and put a quote on the table and not, and not feel anything. But when I had to do that from a personal brand standpoint, it was difficult. You're like, is this an hour of my time really worth X? And you're like, no ways, man, that's too much, right? It's just an hour. But you're realizing that you're not giving, pay, paying people for an hour. Um, you're charging them for your history, all of your expertise, all of your experience. That's what you're actually charging for. And that's the value. So for me is what I've learned being in the industry for a long time is that uh, the other people in this space, especially people that don't necessarily look like us, um, they're charging a whole hell of a lot more, sometimes two, three times the price. Right. And so there's nothing wrong for asking for it. Um, and, and rather set it there and, 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 and get rejected. You know, I've got, I've got a speaker coach that I speak to that's based in the U.S. This man charges $30,000 for an hour of his time. No. This man's got the ability to charge a ridiculous amount of money, um, but really position it. Because what he said is that for me to get out of bed, for me to leave my family, that's what it takes. And either you say yes or you know to. So I think whatever you're charging right now, don't be afraid to double it and see what brands do. Um, and that's how I've increased my speaking fee. When I first started, I was charging seven grand, right? Um, and then the next gig, someone offered a little bit more and I said, cool, that's the new rate. And then the next fee, someone offered a little bit more and I said, cool, that's the new rate. And I'm exponentially higher than where I was back then. And that was over the period of 18 months, right? So I think don't be afraid to do that. But as we close out, Mash, um, I just want you to drop kind of final gems about how you've been able to push content to partnership and leveraging that entire ecosystem to what you're doing now? For me, it's really about two things. Um, for the next about five years, I think it's going to be yeah. digital content and digital commerce. Um, so digital content by running a, you know, a network of podcasts. So a podcast network through Lucha. And then secondly, a network of online stores through Compass. I think that's sort of the future of where things are going. Digital content has never been so important and digital commerce has never been so, so important. So driving value on those two things is really where I'm at and where I'll be focusing for the next few years. I, I still think I'm going to define myself as unemployed, um, pretending to be an entrepreneur until I make a shitload of money. But yeah, I'm super excited <laughs> for the new journey. Um, thank you so much for having me. This is probably the best no, man, life I've was, had. Uh... Thank you so much. No, man. Uh, Twitter, I mean, Instagram didn't want us to be great. Twitter definitely doesn't want us to be great. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, no, man, this was a lot of fun. Um, appreciate it. 
my man Nati says drive value and also know your value is the gem to everybody else man thank you for tuning in every Thursday 4pm um, and we're going to keep it moving so keep tuning in Mash I'm going to get you on again because we had a great conversation um, and we'll keep it moving all of you stay off black Twitter uh, keep it real keep it uh, uh, keep it authentic and uh, we'll keep it moving so thank you guys so much Mash much appreciate so much, man. Man. Thank All you. right, guys. Thank you. Thank you.